At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again year after year? Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio. This is the Mailbag coming to you on Friday, April tenth. We're gonna get into your questions and so much more here on this episode of Random Troy Radio. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Random Troy, like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to send us your emails, Reign of Troy at fansire.com. Our phone number is 213-373-1USC Second Woodsburn Show. I'm your host, Mario Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Alicia Deotola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are back for a mailbag this week. We unfortunately were not able to record one last week that we promised. But we're back to do one this week. Uh, I always feel bad. I feel like we, we over-promise and under-deliver all the time on this pod. I don't know why people are still subscribed. But, Cause, cause but they, please subscribe. Because they like us and they want more of us. And that's why we're giving them more of us. I and, hope so. And uh, circumstances of the last month or so have been a little bit weird. But I think people recognize that for a variety of reasons. So we're we're back and we're rolling and we're... Producing all sorts of podcast stuff. Yeah, at the end of this episode, you will hear a sneak preview of our new off-topic podcast you're in, the quarantine season called Core Time, Let's Take It Inside, the first episode, diving into the hit Netflix docuseries Tiger King. So we'll give you about five to ten minutes of a sneak preview. If you dig it, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com. Slash Rain of Troy, we can get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five per month. For ten bucks, you can join our Rot Crew and get all of our bonus content, along with all of our main shows ad-free. Uh, if you don't want any uh, bonus episodes, but you still like ad-free main shows, you can do that for three thirty-three by join joining the Rotbackers Crew Club Booster Club. Whatever you want to call it. Rotbackers. Why didn't we do a Rot Boosters? I don't know. We settled with Rotbackers. Huh. Okay. We really missed the boat there. Yeah. Rotback. If you want to back Rot, then 333 to go ad free. Uh, otherwise, 5 to 5 for all of our bonus content and 10 bucks for all of our bonus content, ad free main episodes, and get to join our Slack crew. Alicia, we got a bunch of questions here in the mailbag, so we're going to take a quick break, come right back to it, and jump on down into that bag. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's jump into a Slack message we got from our pal Richard. What do you think the impact of a canceled season would be? An abbreviated season, or one with no fans present, or something like that would have a minimal lasting impact on USC football, but in terms of missing an entire season, how do you think that would impact player development for USC and college football in general? 
Well, that's a a, a reality that um, I think we do need to weigh right now. Uh, on Twitter and in, in other places, we're seeing from a lot of people where the college football officials seem to be thinking that a season will go ahead, but maybe shortened or shifted or you know adjusted as necessary. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily bank on a season not happening. But at the same time, we're also seeing data from people who are uh, polls and stuff from people saying that they wouldn't feel comfortable going to a sporting event. Uh, without a, a a coronavirus vaccine or something that was in place to stop this uh, this virus. So maybe that comes into play once we get closer to the fall and a potential second wave or anything like that maybe changes the way that we're looking at the potential for an upcoming season. So um, as for how it would impact player development, I mean, the the I guess the, the the big thing would be that if they're not playing games, then you got to think they're not practicing, and if they're not practicing, that's a year of of guys getting rusty, getting um not keeping up in the physical fitness that you would need to play football uh, full time as they do. Uh, the the guys would be behind a year in terms of their scheme understanding, and not just you know you can be in the playbook all you want, but understanding how a scheme works takes i mean think about uh, uh graham harrell's air raid the whole idea of practice for that is to do the same thing over and over and over again but to do it until it's muscle memory well you can't build any muscle memory if you're not out there on the practice field or in games uh building that uh th- that that knowledge base up and then also there's things that you can only learn by playing the actual game the trial and error of this work this didn't work uh against opponents and and learning, you know, uh, the the learning from the mistakes that, that you make and the mistakes that other people make. I mean, I, I wonder how many players out there learned that on a Hail Mary, you don't stand under the ball and act like you're going to field a punt from watching Hayes Pollard screw it up in the Hail Mary, you know, those kinds too, of things. Too, too soon. Too soon, I know. Uh, but, um, I mean, I could bring up the Reggie Bush lateral here if I really wanted to hurt people. But the the point is that those you know those kinds of things not having them this season would definitely set back this generation of players uh you know a year the bigger question would be and we got this question on on twitter is the idea of how many third year players would leave for the NFL you know you look at Talano Hafanga will be eligible to leave for the NFL um yep. Someone even like Marquis Stepp would be eligible to leave for the NFL. Uh, Elijah Griffin and Isaac Taylor Stewart would be eligible to leave for the NFL. Um, there, there's a lot of guys who would potentially leave, and that could potentially, and not just from a USC perspective, from a college football perspective, that could change the way that the NFL draft goes ahead. That could change the way that everyone in college football has to deal with this. And on the flip side, too, you could also have a lot more juniors stay as a result because they didn't get their junior season. They stay for their senior season because they need the tape. So maybe you have even more veteran rosters. And how does that impact the freshmen who are coming yeah. in? And it, I mean, it just the the impact would be so complex and complete that I, I like it's hard even to nail down all the different ways and, and all the even unforeseen ways that this could impact college football if they weren't to play this season. I mean, we're already going to have to figure out baseball is figuring out a lot of the other spring sports are going to figure out how they're going to cope with this. And and it's already hard enough for the NCAA to figure out extra years of eligibility, because then we're talking, are the seniors going to be given extra years of eligibility? Um, Beyond that, we're hearing, I mean, on, I think it was on Thursday, Wisconsin announced that they're not going to allow that extra year of eligibility for the players that would have it in, in their baseball teams or in their spring sports teams. So how many schools will decide they're not even going to give people extra eligibility? How will the transfer portal be impacted by that? Could it get flooded yeah. with even more players? How will that mess with the roster side, you know, roster situations everywhere? It's just... It's so complicated. Yeah. And, and the, t- the tough part is, you know, you, you can speak about it, about basketball. Um, you know, a lot of people were wanting the basketball players to get an extra year of eligibility because they couldn't play in the NCAA tournament. I don't think there was any logistical way to do it. Uh, for one, all those guys played an entire regular season. So it's not like they got gypped out of playing a full season. You know what I mean? Uh, on top of that, those guys coming back for an extra year affects the recruiting class after that. And if you're the NCAA, it's not only your job to look after 
the seniors, but it's your job to look after the prospective student athletes in the next class too. That's not fair to the recruits that have signed on that. Oh, suddenly, Oh, by the way, your roster spot is not there because uh, Jonah Matthews is coming back and you, you can't, you can't be fair to everybody. And that, that's the unfortunate thing about this. Um, you know, you mentioned the juniors. I think the juniors are going to be the interesting thing because one way to look at this, it, the absolute worst case scenario, we've talked about this before, USC's 2020 season. By all accounts, strictly on terms of, of the team on paper, talent-wise, this will be the best team for the, in the foreseeable future that USC has. Strictly talking about talent. You got Amara St. Brown in his junior season. You got Talanoa Hufanga in his junior season, EA Naoteote in his junior season. You have uh, Keaton Slovis uh, in year two in the offense. You got all those young receivers. Uh, Tyler Vaughns is coming back to be a fifth year senior. You have all those running backs, all of them well seasoned, right? Uh, By Malapai and Stephen Carr. Uh, and you got Marquis Stepp, and you still got Keenan Kristen, who's only going to be a sophomore. You have all this talent. Almost all of those guys could be gone next year. You cannot afford to have a season where they leave without playing one more time. You cannot afford to have this season not happen because we've talked about it. The 2021 class, uh, the 2021 season is really when that talent, you know, that, that the, the, the talent lost in the 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes that's when it's going to start to hit in 2021. And so if you go into 2021 having lost Talano Hufanga, Amonara St. Brown, Tyler Vons, Palier Naoteote, Marquise Stepp, Bimalapei, Stephen Carr, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, Jay Tufele, Marlon Tui Pelotu, Brandon Peely, all these guys, Eli- uh, Elijah Griffin, if you go in losing all of those dudes, none of them which can be replaced, by the talent the USC has brought in in the last two classes, you are absolutely behind the eight ball. Well, the question is, would you lose all of them? And, well, and that, that's, that, that and that's the, the question, question that I don't yeah. I don't think we have an answer for that. And we won't we wouldn't have an answer for that at this stage. And we won't even have an answer for that by the end of the season when we're talking about who's going to leave for the NFL draft and who's going to stay and, and all of that, regardless of whether or not, you know, the, the, the season gets played. But all of those factors are again the complexity of of you know who knows how it would impact college football going forward yeah and you know in talking about the nfl drafting guys leaving early i think if you're telling Hufanga, if you're amara st brown i think you can make the argument you've done enough to get drafted but if you're marquis step marquis step hasn't done enough to get drafted i think marquis step is good enough to get drafted i think he he's you know the running back position is different enough that I guess you don't have to be drafted high, right? And you, you just aren't compared to other positions. But um, if you're marking step, you're banking on a junior season, making your NFL case so you can go pro. You need that junior season, right? Uh, if you are one of these other guys, well, I don't uh, Mar- think- Marlon Tui Pelotu, Marlon Tui Pelotu needs this 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 season. Yeah. To solidify his, well, his J- draft. Well, J. Tufele does too, but even Amon Ross St. Brown, I don't know that Amon Ross St. Brown can come well, out of right now and say right he's now, a first-round draft pick. No, no. Right now he's looking like, what, a, a third-rounder or something, right? Yeah. So, I, But, I but again, that's why ass, all, right? of these, all of these but equations... But all could use an extra year. Yeah, and that's the point. All of these equations are too complex to even try to judge one way or another on any of them, because who knows? I mean, we could be looking at it right now, and suddenly Isaiah Pulamau has an All-American kind of season, and suddenly he's out the door, and yeah. we're not even talking about him right now. Or you could have a situation where Talano Hufanga doesn't want to leave. Maybe he wants to finish his, his college, uh, his eligibility. Maybe he wants to use that extra year. I don't know. Other things have happened. It's hard to say. So, again, when it comes to... And, and that's besides the point of even thinking, well, if everyone's leaving from USC, then everyone's probably leaving from every other school too. Yeah. And all of a sudden, instead of being the the sort of third or fourth best wide receiver in the class, if you're Alvin Ross St. Brown, suddenly you're the 10th or 15th because there's so many guys that are out there. Like, you know, the, the, these equations are too complex. Yeah, that really is the, the issue is that so many different factors... 
are at play, uh, or that could and will be at play, no matter what happens. And like we, we mentioned in a pod earlier in, in the the month, uh, or, or last month, every team is going to be dealing with this. There's going to be one or two teams that just completely kick everybody's ass. In, in you know, coming out of the the coronavirus situation, they will have bonded, they will have kept their talent, they will have found a way to give this and them an advantage, and there's going to be a lot of teams who allow this to, you know, be a detriment. And if you're USC, you want to be one of the teams that handles it better, but we won't know whether or not they handle it better than everything else. It might end up being a situation where all of this, all these factors we talk about just cancels out. Or every other team is dealing with it, every other program is going to deal with it, and it's still going to come down to how much do you prepare on a weekly, week-to-week basis, how well are you coached, how much talent do you have in general, and can you win football games? Because that's going to be the overwhelming uh, well, factor no matter what. But all of this, if you lose a season, is, is going to play some sort of role. It's just going to be a matter of how much, and we, we just don't know. But that's where the biggest impact of, of not playing a season, if this were to happen, would be what happens to Clay Hilton. Because now you're in a situation where you're definitely not going to fire him after not playing a season. Well, maybe that works to USC's benefit because the staff has recruited so well. And so they're able to bring in a really strong class. What or happens it, contractually? Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, maybe maybe the buyout is better this time. And you, and I, I actually don't think there's a possible... It, it, in this unlikely situation scenario where USC doesn't play a season, I would bet my life savings that Clay Hilton will be retained for the, for 2021. Like, you're not going to fire the head coach after you didn't... You just... Re, you know, re-brought him in, hired a whole new assistant coaching staff, and then didn't play a season. And all of a sudden, you're saying, "Oh no, no, we're cut him now. We're fine." No, no. If if USC, if if there is no college football season this year, Clay Hilton's keeping his job for another year. So then you're pushing down that situation a year down the line. See, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I, I, I think it. You think they're going to pay the buyouts for all of the 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 assistant coaching staff and everything like that without Clay Hilton having the opportunity to prove that he can or can't win some games i don't think that like i believe mike bone believes in clay helton to a point where they're not going to just cut the cut the tie and have to rehire a whole new staff go through this whole rigmarole again this spring before they've even had games to play but but you have to look at this from a contractual perspective all of those contracts what's what's going to happen to them they're they're still it, these guys are not going to go without pay, right? So they're right. still going to get paid, which means a year is going to be lopped off of their contract if there's no season. Yeah, but you're going to end up paying whoever you bring in to replace Clay Helton more than you're paying Clay Helton now. But, you're not gonna, but you're there's not saving one him. fewer season that you have to pay on that buyout. Yeah, but again, that doesn't just uh, having one fewer season to pay on that buyout doesn't justify. The entire again, it goes back to I don't think keeping Clay Helton was only about the buyout. I think Clay Helton convinced Mike Bone that he deserved another chance. And if you're Mike Bone, you're not going to just say, "Oh, well, now we're not going to give you that other chance." Just kidding, psych. We're going to pull the rear, and we're also going to pay that buyout. No, they want to see if this investment is going to pay off. They just hired an entirely half new coaching staff, and you don't want to see that investment pay off if you're Mike Bone. Of course, they want to see this play out. No, I I get that, but we've talked about it before. At the end of this upcoming season, USC has to do one of two things. It's uncomfortable to talk about because as soon as we, every time I say it, I imagine everybody listening, yelling and turning off their their iPod or whatever, right? But you have to fire or extend Clay at the end of the season. You you can't go three years without extending a guy. You don't have to and, extend and him so, after like, a non season. But again, contractually, for recruiting purposes, you but end no, up where he's only got two years left on his right. Deal. But that's but but you can say, I mean, you can live with that. Can you live? You with can that? live with that. Yeah, I think I don't I think, think you can live with that if that's baseball. No, and there's no recruiting. No school is going to go out there and extend a coach after not playing he's a, a season. He's he, but it, or you extend him for a year. See, 
Like, I, I don't think you have to do the big extension like you normally would have to do if you played sure, 2020 and he sure. actually won 10 if games. You ex- but if you extend You're not going to extend him in real in, in a realistic term after not playing a season? You could, no yeah, way. Sure. No, I no, but that's that's why I'm saying it would give Bone a chance to go back to the drawing board and being like we're, we're just going to start fresh. I don't think there I I would bank a lot of things there is zero percent chance of that happening in the unlikely event that there is no season this this fall if there is no season if no games are played i guarantee you clay helton will not be fired guarantee you and there is zero possibility zero zero for football reasons zero possibility this is usc after all yeah this seems like to me this seems the most usc thing ever is when you don't think he'll be fired is when he'll get fired. But they hired Mike Bone to not be the USC guy. So, again, I think no, I the that, absurd but... thing would be to fire him after not having played a season. That would be, I know everyone wants to move on from Clay Helton, but it would be absolutely absurd to have hired a new staff, to have put all your faith behind Clay Helton, and then not played a season and then fire him anyways. It would be absurd. And I would look at Mike Bone and say, okay, so you flat out lied to everybody this entire time. And then you you totally undercut your, if you're Mike Bone, you totally undercut any sense of of uh, reality around your persona. So you, If you so turn you, around and cut ties with Clay Helton, even though he didn't get a chance to prove that he could turn this around. You really think that if there's no season... If there's no season, the, Clay Helton will be back in 2021. No, but, but do you think there, there won't be a single coach fired? Not in USC situation. I don't know if there will be coaches fired, but not in USC situation where they just fired half their staff, rehired half their staff, got a new DC, got a new all new special teams DC. The staff got completely reworked, and you're going to fire them after that? No. I, I not think a chance that, I think in it hell. Takes one school to fire somebody. And then the coaching carousel other schools, opens wide Other schools opens might fire open. people, but Clay Helton will not be one of them. Book it. I would bank my life on this. There is no chance. I, okay, that, that's fine. You, you can do that. I will go back to the, to the thing of, we've been burned enough saying that Clay Helton will surely get fired, that I'm not going to say that he's surely not going to get fired. Well, I mean, you've been burned on it. I was the one doing the doomsday fine. stuff from all last year, saying they're not necessarily going to fire him, guys. And the same... Things hold, <laughs> which is all besides the point, because the, the, the more likely than not, football will be played this fall in some capacity. So we'll get some sort of idea. But again, I wouldn't. The track record at this point, guys, is that Clay Hilton has nine lives and he hasn't used up all nine of them yet. So. All right. <laughs> Let's go to what we got from Ed in the Bay Area. Hey, guys, I took a hiatus from podcast for about two weeks. Just recently caught up. I have to say, I love the portion of the pod where you talked about NCAA football, uh, the video game. It inspired me to play again for the first time in over five years. I'm not a gamer, so that's a big thing. My God, I had a blast starting a new dynasty. As for my go-to team, it's Navy, but with the USC plays- playbook. Please pass that to Alicia. Alicia, you hear that? I did hear it, yes. Yeah. Uh, I also love to take cellar dwellers like San Jose State or Tulane and take them to the top. Great times. Thanks for reminding me what a great game it is. It's the best ever fight on Ed in the Bay Area. Thanks, Ed, for that. Um, Yeah, I'm so sad that I don't have my NCAA football. Uh, My NCAA football 14 stopped working about five years ago. uh, Four years ago. Um, And I can't get it to play in my Xbox anymore. So, can't play it. I wish I could. And I'm completely with Ed here that I think it is more fun to play with some other team that's not USC. Like, so, re- creating a school or picking some little podunk school, and then you go through the 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 situation where, like, yeah, if you pick picked up San Jose State, then you get, you know, uh, an invite to the, the Pac-12, and then you get, you know, just keep moving on up. Up in prestige. That that's the most fun for me. Yeah, you I always play a couple seasons with USC and they get bored steamrolling everybody and then I change up and do Navy. Uh but normally I like play as Navy or I play as USC with Navy's playbook. So totally the opposite of Ed. <laughs> I bring the the uh 
a triple option to USC. So that's why I, I like playing around with the different, like a vastly different offense with USC, or I take over some random generated college or something like Troy or something really small and, and build it up from there. Yeah, I think the last time I played, I was BYU, and I took them from being an independent to the Big 12, and then I just won a bunch of national titles. Uh, always running the running gun offense. Uh, I running mean, gun, that was me. I mean, you can make every offense in NCAA football fun if you just pare it down to spread it up a few plays, yeah. but... We're always running that spread. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Jake Hill. Hey, guys, any thoughts on doing an episode that's a rewatch of an old game? We can all watch it on YouTube or something and then discuss it. I need my USC football fix. Please help with four crying emojis. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about all sorts of things that we'd have to do if you know to get the, the fix of, of sports during this time. Certainly, if there was no season, we'd absolutely be watching every Saturday some old USC game uh, to try and get through it because, yeah, who can go that long without without watching football of some variety? Um, I don't know what game... Like, we've done things in the past where we've watched an old game and then sort of did commentary on it. Yeah, we, uh, we should pick a game. I, I almost thought about the 2005 Fresno State game, but I'd rather pick something that wasn't 2005 related. I'd actually love to watch the 2005 Fresno State game because I don't remember very much okay, of it. Okay, we can do it. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I I remember the highlights of Reggie Bush, but I don't actually remember the flow and ebb of the game. I, I think Pete, Pete Arbogast had one of his best calls ever in that game. What was it? It was on a pick six. So, if I remember right, SC goes to the half down 21-10. Uh, and the the third quarter, and, and I don't want to spoil it if we're going to redo this thing. But the third, the beginning of the third quarter is insane because SC comes out. They they have Fresno State deep in their own territory. They nearly sack Paul Pinnaker like three straight times in a row. I think the one time Cedric Ellis like bats a pass away. There's a long pass that's I think it's in uh, intercepted. I want to say it's intercepted on third down, like a uh, a long bomb. They give it to Reggie Bush. On the first play, he takes it all the way, scores like a 50-yard touchdown, right? Maybe the first play of the next drive, something like that. Pinnaker drops back, throws a pick six to Darnell Bing. Now, SC was down 21-10, right? Throws a pick six to Darnell Bing, who gets it, takes it all the way, and, like, Pete Arbogast is losing his damn mind about this. Like, oh my god, it's another great SC comeback. It's the greatest thing ever. Oh my god. There was a flag on it for, like, an illegal block. <laughs> so of course there was. It, it, it came back, and then, like, two plays later, SC scored again, because that's when Reggie had the, um... Uh, well, again, It wasn't the behind-the-back one, it was the one before that. Well, there was never a behind-the-back one, that's a no, misnomer, but, but... Yes. Yeah. No, but let's... Well, he let's, put the ball behind his back, he didn't go... He didn't swap it behind he, his... No. It, the ball goes behind his back when he stops dead but yeah. either way let's do let's do let's let's pick some games that we want to do i just sitting here thinking about it like the fresno state would be fun the marquis lee arizona game um thinking about yep. like losses the marquis lee arizona game the 2011 stanford game would be fun ones to to do um going back way further uh that there's uh, i actually think we got a question that sort of hit on on some of these but um, there are a lot of older games that I would love to do if we could get footage of them. Yeah, absolutely. We I mean, I've even talked to you about stuff that we don't have footage of, but I have really... You you, you want me to do play-by-play -play of games that you've read play-by-play -play accounts of in the Daily Trojan from like the No, no, 1930s. no, not even the Daily Trojan from like the LA Times. Back in like the 1930s, they used to literally do a play-by-play, drive-by-drive like description of, of what happened in the game and like from these old games where we don't actually have footage of anything with the ball. Uh, yeah like, like it would be super cool to like let like turn those games into sort of living things that people and the could comprehend 39 trojans have scorn and duke doesn't know what they've done <laughs> yeah I, I, could, I could do it again yeah uh we did get a text message from chris 
uh, single best podcast ever. Talking about about our uh, April Fools. Uh, Internet cast, if you will. Uh, I love the stuff that's metal like that. This has got to be a tough time for the business, and this was extremely creative. I hope you keep it up. Who's to say you can't do a show from one of your archives? Folks, here's one from 1974. We were just starting out. Maybe it's a little rough. Think of the phases, the ads, and the fun that you can have with it. Yeah, well, again, 1974, the first, I mean, the first thing I thought of when we started talking about this kind of thing is the 1974 AD comeback, but... You know, 1974 was two decades plus before I was even conceived. So it's only 15 years. Only 15. Isn't years. Isn't that weird? Like 1974. Look at it this way. 1974 was closer to our birth than 2005 was. That's wild, man. The uh, my. You just wrinkled my brain? Yes, exactly, I did. I... Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Anyways, we've got so many more questions in the mailbag. We're going to take a quick break, come back to a voicemail, and then we got some more tweets and emails. We'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, let's go to a voicemail we got from the 562. I remember way back in the day that USC just didn't celebrate making a top 10 list for a random four-star recruit. When did this become the new norm? Helms pathetic. Thanks for the call there, uh, Routbot from the 562. Alicia, you got some thoughts? I just don't remember the time when people weren't excited about a random recruit putting out a, a top list. Like, okay, A, for one thing, Pete Carroll didn't have Twitter where players were putting out top whatever lists, so... That wouldn't have been a thing in any case, but like I don't think there's ever been a point where someone would look at a top whatever list from a recruit and say, uh, no big deal, whatever. Like, no, it's recruiting. You're supposed to get irrationally excited about the stupidest things. Like the entire concept of recruiting is so dumb that or at least the the investment that we all put in recruiting is so dumb that like acting like any like we're that that people are better than being excited about like a top 10 list is I, I just think it like this this ain't it a no one's that excited and b everything about recruiting is dumb so like to act like one thing is 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 yeah. well that's beneath usc like not every I mean, recruiting is stupid like see i my take is i don't know who's who's celebrating usc being in a Top ten list. I, like, yeah, I, I I don't know that it's celebration. Well, pe- people right? take like for instance on on rainerdrow.com if we report that so and so released a top twelve list and USC is on it, people take that to mean like that celebration of it. Well, no, we're we're literally just reporting like, hey, this dude put out this list. We're yeah, we're writing about the news. Are we supposed to not mention that dude has a top whatever list and yeah. USC is on it? Well, you know, SC got that commitment from. From Zarian Gordon last week, Zamarian. Uh, Zamarian. Zamarian. Yeah. Already screwing it up. Uh, and there was a comment on Redditor.com. Why is this news? Commitments don't matter. Yeah. Like, just look at <laughs> Bryce Young. La- like y- y- Bryce Young last year has proved that commitments don't matter. Blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, it's still news. Like, uh, yeah. It, just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it's not news. Yeah. And and just because it's not exciting doesn't mean it's not news either. Yeah. Like, and and like just 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 turn on the local news. They they report on a bunch of stuff that's not exciting or happy. You know what I mean? And and them reporting on things is not necessarily like pumping it up as this right. is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like right. no one's literally no one's saying that Clay Helton is gonna save everything because he got in yeah. a top and, ten list. For and, and I, I don't think know. We just, all, okay, maybe I'm I'm being too naive here, but I think most people see a top 10 list for just what it is. It's just, is, is SC in, in, in the mix? Oh, okay. That, that's, that's all I care about. I, I, you know, a top five list I think is more important. Top three list is obviously more important, but like a top 10 list, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, a- and I don't think people are actually like, celebrating them or anything like that well okay but if top 10 lists don't matter or if 
commitments don't matter, then no one is allowed to get upset when USC isn't on a top 10 list that they should be on or when a player commits to another school that isn't USC because commitments don't matter and top 10 lists don't matter. So again, why does anyone care about any of this? This is like the whole, like, people get mad when three stars commit and when they decommit. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, you, you can't win. Everything about recruiting is dumb. So, like... I just don't know why anyone cares about anything at, at this point. Yeah. Uh, Trojan Tito 66 says, with players not able to take visits to schools, can you see the NCAA just having one signing period in February instead of having two? The only way I see that happening is if they don't have a season. Because what I suspect will happen, we'll, we'll, what we'll see is once the season begins, you're just going to have to have a lot of visits during the season more visits than you normally would have during the season but if you don't have a season to have those visits be happening then you're talking about well you need to push it back further so that teams can actually get guys on campus but at this stage if you know august september comes around and they're able to get people on that's enough time you're just gonna have a little bit more of a crowd i I look at this two ways number one um i don't think it's anywhere near the the priorities um of where the coaches are going to be and where the the schools are going to be in terms of getting legislation for this. But number two, if say for instance, say one of the contingency plans is pushing off the college football season till next spring. Well, then you couldn't have an early signing period because then those guys who could potentially be early enrollees would be signing to be at school while a season is happening that they can't participate in which would be bizarre. So then you would only want them to sign in February when they could no longer enroll in in February, right? Does that make sense? Am I overthinking that? Well, but no, I don't... (laughs) This needs to get overthought because there are so many moving parts, so I don't think you're overthinking it. But yeah, if if you're moving the season back, then you are going to have to change some of the deadlines. Because you have to legislate that that mid-year enrollees couldn't play because you couldn't have freshmen from two different in, classes in january playing. yeah you get guys in in january and all of a sudden you have them playing uh, i again those are questions that i think you answer when you get to the point where you've decided what like when the season will take place right, right. but so long as you have a few months before the season starts i do think the december signing period will stay in place unless the worst case scenario happens and we're not able to see football being played in september if we get to October, and that's a whole other other thing. Yeah. Uh, email from Jonathan. We got two of them. First one. Hey, guys, I was listening to Barton Simmons talk about USC. Uh, I think he's on the Cover 3 podcast over at CBS. Uh, and he spoke very highly of them for this upcoming year as a title contender. So I asked, do you think they can make a run at the college football playoff? They will more likely than not be better on all sides of the ball than last year. Bess Yonatan, I don't think that it's unreasonable to say that SD could make the playoff this year strictly because people make their predictions based on who's going to win the conferences. And I think USC is probably the second most likely team to win the Pac-12 after Oregon. Just very, like... Reasonably, yeah, Jonathan's right. Like they should be better on offense because everyone comes back. I mean, dep- I guess depending on what the offensive line does, but all the skill players are back. Uh, most players are back on defense, and they got a better scheme. They should they shouldn't be worse on defense. If anything, they're the same. Um, but the de- the offense improving should make them better. They should they can't be worse on special teams. So they need to be at least a little bit better. And if they're a little bit better, they're going to win the South. And if they win the South, all they got to do is beat Oregon. And then all of a sudden they won the conference. And at that point, it's anyone's game is about whether or not they make the playoff. Because then it's dependent on comparing them to everybody else. So, yeah, I don't think it's insane. Would I predict it? Hell no. But I don't think it's unreasonable to go that route. I just wouldn't hold my breath. So here's the thing. If Pete Carroll was the head coach at USC going into 2020 with this team, I would tell you absolutely USC is a national title contender. Um, The problem is 
where do you stand on on Clay Helton and his ability to make USC a national title contender? We know that Clay Helton can get USC to a Pac-12 title, but not into Pac-12 title plus playoff berth, which would require one loss as opposed to two or three. So I think that where Barton Simmons is making the, I agree with you that if USC can win the Pac-12, which I think you and I both agree they can, then USC can make the playoff. But the thing that separates USC for me between the Pac-12 ceiling and the playoff ceiling Alabama game. is the Alabama game and the Notre Dame game. And if you lose both of those games, you're not going to the playoffs. So like yeah. that's where you have to believe that Clay Hilton can win both of those games or split those yeah, games and then sure. not lose to anybody else in the Pac-12. Which again, it, they're tr- going. They're going to Austin, um, so they can't lose a game in the Pac-12. Or if they yeah. do, then they can't lose one of those out of conference. You know, all of the little things that go in place. So what you end up with is, um, on paper, if you put a coach that you were more confident in in charge, then yeah, you'd go. I'd go ahead and take that step and say yes, this roster can do that. But I'm not confident enough in the ceiling that Clay Hilton can give his team. The, the wild card, obviously, is I like Graham Harrell. I don't know what to expect from Todd Orlando. If Todd Orlando produces a defense like he did in his first year at Texas, then yes, absolutely, USC is a, play, a potential playoff contender. But that's an if. Well, yeah, and what it comes down to for me is I think it's reasonable to say that SC could win the Pac-12. But, like you said, they play Notre Dame. They, they play Alabama. Uh, they play Oregon on the road. Like, there's these reasons... To think that they won't have a one-loss season, right? Um, and I would not remotely hold my breath to think that they'll even be a two-loss team. Like, so. Well, we just, and that's the one thing we haven't seen. We've seen Clay Hilton succeed in some in some ways in the past, but we've never seen him have a one-loss season. Right. So, you can't bank on that at that point. Yeah, like I could see not FC even a repeating two loss 2016 or 2017. I can't see them bettering it. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I, I don't know that Clay Helton can get USC to the one-loss threshold. I think it's possible for him to get USC to the two-loss threshold, and that would be good enough to win the Pac-12. But, like, you need to be able to be 11-1. and one. And, and I, Yeah, I can't see it. Yeah, just certainly not with the schedule. And while it's certainly possible, I guess, in a best-case scenario... Uh, it, it just it's on the the scale that I wouldn't yeah sort of go to. So I, I think to sum that up, uh, SC would be a national contender, just like any quote conference contender would be. But outside of that, it's no don't don't put them in your playoffs. But if obviously. you th- if if you are a national media guy or gal. And you are looking at USC and you've seen Keaton Slovis play the way he did last year. And you think to yourself, Keaton Slovis is a potential Heisman winner. If you're looking at it like that, then absolutely you should be talking about USC in that in that group right. of teams. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get it. That's just, yeah, I definitely understand. before. Yeah. As soon as, as, soon as these writers start there. looking at all the returning talent, that SC is going to start getting hype. And we've, we've said that before and that's, that's going to be the case. Uh, Jonathan, second email. Hey guys, I had two questions. First one, I listened to the internet cast about the USC Notre Dame game. So I was wondering, when did you guys meet and how long have you guys been doing this? Uh, we met on November 12th, 2012. You know the date. November 10th? I don't know. Well, what was the day of the... It was the the ASU game. The ASU game at the Coliseum. Yeah, SC won that game. Yeah. So we we, we would know the exact date. Um, that was a homecoming game because I was going because I had a ticket from a friend of mine, my, actually a former roommate of mine, who was in the band, who was going to the game and had an extra ticket. And um, she uh, it asked me to come along with her. And um, I went with her. And then after the game. November 10th. November 10th. Yeah. After the game, I waited at the Finger Fountain. For you and Trenice, our friend Trenice, yep, to pick me up because we were all going to go to El Cholo because I was writing yep. for Reina Troy at that time and you guys were the running Reina Troy at that time, and so we all went to El Cholo. We had uh, we had dinner at El Cholo. Yeah, and you had every little thing on that plate. I ordered a Chilorano, uh plate with and I was the in rice awe. and beans. I'm like, oh my god, 
this girl ate every single thing on her plate. <laughs> Which, now that you know me and you've seen me eat a lot, like, you know that no, that I'm was... No, not seen you eat a lot, Well, you've seen actually. me eat a lot, a, li- a little bit a lot. Uh, you know how rare a, a, a moment that was, because normally I never finish everything on my plate, but after a day of, like, being at a football game, and I don't watch football games passively, obviously, I uh, certainly when I'm in the stands... Um, I am a very active observer of football games, so I must have just worked up an appetite. But yeah, so we've been so essentially we've been we've been we've known each other since then, but we've been doing this longer than then. The podcast, I guess, was was we got really twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen was really the first year yeah. that we were doing the podcast regularly, so that would be the the time. But yeah, no, no, twenty twelve, two thousand five. We did well, two thousand five in the internet cast. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Complete so, strangers, just randomly. One hundred percent. That's when it was. Uh, next question: Is which receiver do you think will lead the team in catches and yards if the season happens? Of course, best Yonatan. Uh, I think we both agree. So let's just say it on three: one, two, three. Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown. Brown. All right. I near. I very nearly <laughs> said Daniel Ronavebe just to <laughs> just to throw a wrench oh, in that one, but no. no. Amon Ra, I think we'll get a lot of uh, targets. Um, Tyler Vaughn's may be in that equation, but I think that Tyler Vaughn's targets will be less of a volume I than Amon Ross. I think Tyler Vaughn's is going to do about the same thing he did last year, maybe a little bit more. But this is the I year Tyler- that Amon Ross becomes a hundred catch receiver. Yes, I think Tyler Vaughn's will go up ahead above a thousand yards. Um, but I think Amon Ross will just have more targets in general, and I think you're right that he will have. Um, upwards of 80 catches easily. 100. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let's finish this up with some rapid fire from an AMA that we put out on Twitter on Thursday night. Uh, Tanavea says, linebacker depth chart, not the politically correct one, but what you think truly will happen. Uh, this is a complete shot in the dark. But what, what I, that's, that's the thing is I wish, like, politically or not politically, like, whatever I throw out there, I wish I had a better sense because... Uh, right now, I could throw darts at a board with the names of all the linebackers, and that I could give you that as a depth chart, and it could be just as likely as my best guess otherwise. Like, I think that Pali Anateote will be a starter for USC, but the one day of spring camp that we actually got to see, um, the, the, the two first-team guys were uh, Kanai Mauga and... Um, I don't even remember. Uh, it, w- whatever it goes, I don't know if Jordan ISF is going to start. I think Paula Ianateote will start. I don't know if Solomon Tuliapupu will even be healthy by that point, but if he is healthy, then maybe he could start. Kanai Mauga did start last year and, and could start. Raylan Goforth is a guy that I like a lot. I think he could start. Like, There's just a lot. I, I couldn't even tell you. The, throw them all together, mix them up, shake them up. Elijah Winston could start for all I know. It, it's completely completely unknown as far as I'm concerned, and that's what we missed out with spring. Talking about hedging bets, Alicia Daratola over here. Uh, All of the above, yeah. yes. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Lee Walker, one of the chances that the schools in the Pac-12 wake up and get rid of Larry Scott. I, I put this on Twitter. I think there's a decent chance that it happens if for no other reason than PR, uh, when they need to start prepara- uh, preparing for the uh, negotiations for the new TV deal, but which, but which when is do you know exactly when that is? It, the t- new, t- TV deal is up in twenty twenty four, but you need to negotiate that out multiple years in advance. Yeah. So that's going to be soon, right? And then in the next year or two, you you need to be ready to do that. I just this is the thing I stress, and I will say this over and over again. Just because Larry Scott gets replaced, if and when it happens, don't expect the new guy to be any better. And that's not a defense of Larry Scott. That's an indictment of the Pac-12 universities, the CEOs and the and the university presidents. They checked off every single thing Larry Scott has done. They've okayed all of his raises. They've been okay with everything that's 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 gone on. So it's not like he is doing this and he is doing what he's doing and everyone is is hating him. No, his bosses have said he's doing a good job. As long as his bosses say he's doing a good job, they're going to hire someone who they also expect to do a good job based on the things that they value. So don't hold your breath thinking that there's going to be a a new 
commissioner that's that's better than Larry Scott. It, it very possible that it might not be. It's so. the same situation that USC had where so long as the same old people were hiring the head coach at USC, why would you trust the like yeah. the, why would you trust the people who'd screwed up those hires so many times? Yeah. Basically. Uh last question from and this is the greatest name of all time, El Tubacavra. How do you feel about Cactus Cooler, Alicia? Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Mm, so good. It is, is the best. outstanding. Fantastic. Yes. The the best fruity soda. Does anyone not like Cactus Cooler? Like, if you don't, have you ever met someone who doesn't like Cactus Cooler? Unsubscribe. Block us. <laughs> Get out of here. Seriously, I'm just Cactus like I'm genuinely asking. I don't think I've ever met someone who didn't like Cactus Cooler. And you know what? Everyone has the same opinion. Is you know what's really good and no one ever talks about Cactus, Cactus Cooler. Cooler. Yeah, but maybe that's, that's usually where everyone comes from. Maybe Cactus Cooler is so popular because it's more rare like you, maybe you you don't get cactus cooler from a fountain at a you can find fanta all over the place and fanta sucks in comparison but cactus cooler is a thousand times better than than fanta yeah. but you and go to like, better than haritos haritos is trash too but you go to like carl's jr or jack in the box or mcdonald's or whatever and like fanta's there not cactus cooler so yeah, give me some cactus cooler baby but maybe it's the rarity that i don't drink it all the time that every time i drink it i love it cactus cooler and some malibu rum Mmm, that's that's a winner. All right, we we gotta go make that. We'll be right back. <laughs> so yeah, I kid, but uh, in the meantime, uh, we're gonna give you about a five to ten minute preview of Core Time. Let's keep it inside. Uh, let's take it inside, right? Let's take it inside. Let's take it inside. Yeah, uh, the first ever uh, episode over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rain of Troy. This is our off-topic podcast during the uh, quarantine season. So. If you dig it, have a, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy, where you can get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty-five a month and uh, support the show. Keep us uh, keep us talking in your ears. So, uh, here it goes. Quartime. 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 Let's take it inside. Quartime. Let's take it inside. Welcome to the first ever Quartime, time let's take an inside episode here on patreon from reign of troy radio i'm your host michael co join along in the reign of troy studio with my pal alicia deratola hello everybody hello alicia let's talk about uh some core time activities uh get right into it tiger king everyone's been talking about tiger king everyone's been tweeting about it there's been podcasts about it stories online about it and you and I got into it late in the game. So here we are, a week or two after everyone seemingly has talked about Tiger King. We're ready to share our thoughts about Tiger King. Yeah, it. it I kind of delayed my viewing of it for a couple of reasons. One, I had already listened to a podcast called Over My Dead Body. The second season of Over My, Over My Dead Body was called Joe Exotic. So it was about eight episodes that covered this entire story. So I already knew it. I already was familiar with all of this, the characters in it and what went down between Joe and Carol and, and that whole thing. So I wasn't in like a, I feel like I could talk to people about it because I, I knew what the deal was. And I wasn't sure if the, the show would give me any more insight into the, into the whole, you know, how it all, how it all went down. Um, and then also I had a friend who was sort of wanting to watch it like together and so I kept waiting for her and waiting for my brother because we were all going to like binge it at the same time. And then I just got tired of waiting for them. And so then I, I popped it on my iPad while I was doing some crochet and I found myself get totally sucked into it, even though I knew the whole story. Watching the the doc, like being able to see everything that I'd already heard, all of the footage that they had um, because of the reality TV show and all of that kind of stuff, like it's... um. It's it was pretty it, like it was pretty engaging, even though I knew the gist of it. Also, the stuff about Doc Antle was pretty much all new. The stuff about the other um, cartel uh, <laughs> animal guy was new. And then a lot of the stuff at the end hadn't been resolved back when Over My Dead Body was uh, was doing the, the story. So I, I actually found that it it really did add to my understanding and, and frankly, enjoyment of the whole thing, uh, which is uh 
which was good. I was I was relieved about that. I'm really confused. Is there some sort of bylaw or something that nobody who can own a tiger is relatively... Uh, I, I mean, I hate using this word because I, I don't want it to come off as be being insensitive, but normal? No. <laughs> no, there is a bylaw. There there clearly is a, a rule. Like, that- none of the... like. Who was the I, I I wrote this down in, in my notes here. I think the most down to earth, normal seeming exotic animal owner in the entire show is Mario. The the, the, the guy Scarface who, guy. The guy who was who's not in drugs. normal because he's <laughs> the inspiration for Scarface or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. It's insane. Of all the people who actually own tigers or were at the top end because you know, some of the workers, some of the, the sort of smaller people in the story. Um, seem a, little, a little more down Maybe, to earth maybe and, you'd and call them like edgy because they were willing to get close sure. to the tigers. But at this, but like they weren't all, totally off their rocker. Yeah, they, they weren't as, as crazy as Joe Exotic or Doc Antle or Jeff Lowe or Tim Stark. Or Carol or any of, or any yeah. of these guys. Yeah, but you're right. I think the... They're all crazy in their own way. But I think you have to be a little bit off your rocker to decide that you're going to get into the exotic animal trade, that you're going to be like, it's one thing to find the animals really cool. I find tigers really cool, but like the, the, the Venn diagram of people who are a wealthy enough to get involved in this and be crazy enough to get involved in this is very small. Right. And I think that like, I think that it just this whole community is the perfect storm of like crazy and rich people because well, that's some the ego, other right? element. Oh, absolutely huge ego. Yeah. Like everyone in here has a gigantic ego. Uh, at, at least the main players, right? Your and maybe your Joes, your Carols, your Docs, the huge egos. And around. maybe there are more normal people in the ex- exotic or zoo kind of yeah. scenario. There, there was a guy on Vine, Big Cat Derek. Uh huh. I'm really curious if he is as crazy as seemingly well, the rest of the community. But maybe he, he seemed normal on Vine. But, but maybe but all knows. of these people like are attracted to each other and all get all get wound up in the same story because they're all the crazy ones. Right. Like there yeah. might be normal ones out there who are more as normal as one can be while also engaging in like close encounters with big cats. Right. But like more on the normal scale. Yeah, it, it was an, an interesting watch for me. I, I thought it was something that went by really quick. Uh, I know it was seven episodes. I watched four episodes. I started the thing on Monday night, and I watched four episodes at like starting at eleven a.m. and then I was done at like two, uh, sorry, eleven p.m. and I was done at two a.m. and I had watched four episodes, and then uh, I finished it off on Tuesday. Uh, really quick, easy. Uh, easy peasy it, it didn't seem like too much of a time commitment or anything it went by pretty quick uh especially when they keep dropping these shocking things in there and and you you know i've written down all of the big moments and topics and i'm sure i'm missing something we have the feud between joe exotic and carol baskin you have carol baskin's missing ex-husband don lewis and whatever happened to him uh, Saf loses an arm and then goes back to work like seven days later. Yeah. Uh, there was an arson fire that killed all of Joe Exotic's alligators and destroyed all of the TV studio equipment and, and, and data. Uh, Joe Exotic's third husband, who was his second husband, second current husband at the time. Yeah. Uh, Travis Maldonado shoots himself in the head. Accidentally. On, on the... Was it... I... I was confused. The campaign about, manager was, seemed to indicate that it was an accidental. Because he that, did say the word accident at one point. Well, and because so he, he tells the story that that Travis said that Rugers don't fire if the clip isn't in them, and yeah. so then he put it to. I think what he was intending to do was he put it to his head to show, look, won't fire, and then click, and then bam, that it it didn't work out. Yeah, that. Yeah, not 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 smart. not 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 good, not no. ideal. But uh, yeah, and then I also have Jeff Lowe takes over the Greater Winniewood Zoo and then plans to build his own zoo with Tim Stark. Uh, and then of course Joe Exotic goes to prison for 22 years on 19 different counts of wildlife charges, 
and a murder-for-hire plot to take out Carol Baskin. I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of stuff. That's how much crazy stuff happened in this in, in this seven-episode series. Um, but let's just let's just start at the beginning here. Running through that list, Joe Exotic and his ongoing feud with Carol Baskin. Who do you side with? I'm Team Carol. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.